It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Well, hello. Hello, how are you? I am doing good. I am all fresh and clean and just out of the shower and my hair is all like soft and poofy and yeah. everything is clean except for my phone. <laughs> you were scrubbing it as we were logging I was, in. <laughs> I was trying to dig propolis out of the uh, the power and the sound buttons on my phone case. Did Gee. you call me phone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, somebody got propolis on my phone. Somebody yeah. did. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that could have been. So... I got propolis on my phone because I was out checking the bees right before we recorded. But this time I got done with 20 minutes to spare. So I had time to actually go take a shower because it is a little hot and humid up here uh, today. Um, we've got, I'm sure you guys are still just sweltering, like hovering around a hundred, but we had a nice week and a half where the highs were between 75 and 85 and it was beautiful. And then all of a sudden Sunday, to, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I think that's it. Uh, it's back up to mid to upper 90s for us. And then the humidity jumped back up to 60, 70%. Um, but Thursday, a cold front comes through and it's officially fall. <laughs> Yay! Well, it's been a little bit like that. We had a little bit of a cooling off and then it warm. It's, it's 92, 95, which is not you know, the end of the world, because it's still about par with what you've got. And for Texas, it's kind of unusual. Yeah. But yeah, fall is coming pretty soon. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Can't wait. Pumpkins. I love Halloween and fall. And like, ah. Are you going to go trick or treat? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, when I got too old to officially trick or treat without being ridiculed, I switched over to scaring the shit out of people. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I like to make my own gruesome costumes and and terrorize the children <laughs> and everything so when they open the door they run screaming oh no we well so um i don't know what so here's going to be a challenge because the the amount of trick-or-treaters that come here is absolutely insane mm. but they all go to the historic district down like kind of the street has like three names but it's one road and then it connects to another street so those two main avenues is where all the historic homes are they get over a thousand trick-or-treaters there's not that many kids that live in the county oh wow they all go there <laughs> they all go there um so and we're at like just on the outskirts of town at the very end of a dead-end road so we don't foresee having any trick-or-treaters here so that's going to be a bit of a challenge but in years past we decorate the entire yard and like the whole front of the house and everything and then each year we come up with some sort of costume and we are out in it and it is interactive. And if you want the candy, you got to be brave enough to come through us to get it. Mm. So, yeah, unless yeah. you're a little kid and you're really cute, in which case we'll back off and we'll let you get the candy or, you know, squat down and see if you're brave enough to come take it out of the hand or whatever. But, yeah, it's a fun time. I can't wait. It has nothing to do with bees. Um <laughs> I do have a costume, though, that is beekeeper-esque, and I used my one of my old tattered bee suits, and then I attached 
strips of kind of shredded burlap to the tattered bee suit. And then the mask is like a burlap kind of mask, but its mouth can open and it's got these gnarly jagged like dagger teeth. And then when it closes, it just looks like it's a burlap mask. So it actually like it's really cool. Um, So I did that one year. Yes. Yeah, very much so. a beekeeper that got attacked by bees and, and just didn't quite make it. Yeah, he's kind of like a possessed uh, demonic beekeeper thing. I don't know, really. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, back to actual subjects of bees. Yeah, so, it's hard to keep you out of the subject. So let's talk bees. You told me that's the one bees. thing we're talking about tonight is bees. And we what are we talking about? <laughs> bees. Okay, so I went out and I checked the hives. And I've done uh, one thing just for um, S and G, if you know the acronym. Yes, I do. <laughs> I've been here long, long enough. I don't. I don't know why I decide. Like it, it's, it's so funny when I randomly decide what curse words I will and won't say, or when I'm going to like filter myself. <laughs> Because I've heard it cursed. Oh, yeah, man. I like I had a conversation with uh, one of our contractors the other day, and it occurred to me that at least every third word out of my mouth was a, cur- a curse word. Well, I was like, wow, the same language, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I think I was. <laughs> um, so bees, bees, man, <laughs> you would think this is not such a hard subject to accomplish. Um, so the 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 Langstroth colony. This is the just for giggles. I went down there and decided because I don't I don't really know the fall flow up here. I've been told that we do have one and the heat wave is breaking and we should start getting more rain. There's already stuff still blooming, but I'm thinking that there may be, you know, like one last little hoorah of of blooms and stuff there. Um, So they've got already an entire medium of capped honey. So it's an eight frame Langstroth. So eight frames of solid capped honey on top of their eight frame deep box that has some honey on the outer edges. They're good. They're ready for winter. They got a good cocoon of honey. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if there is a flow, they don't have anywhere to put it. So I took some of my, uh, permacomb. That's the fully drawn out plastic comb that doesn't have to have anything done to it and put a queen excluder on top of the, the top box that was there, put the permacomb on top of that. And then ratcheted it all back down and I'm going to give them the rest of September and all of October. And then I'll check in November and see if anything happened. And literally it's just selfishness on my part because they've already got plenty of food stores. They don't have anywhere else to store food. So I am giving them that access, but with the full intention of taking it away from them. Right. (laughs) I'm not going to leave it that way for winter. No, that even if it's just like, one tiny little circle in the center of a frame, I will extract it. And that's going to be my honey. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, give it to me. Something. That, give me something. That's funny because I was going to say, you might have to uh, end up extracting um, partly partly drawn. I mean, not drawn up because it is plastic, basically, but yeah. partly filled medium and this is what exactly what you just said because that's what happens very often when you put a super on there the good part of of this one is that while i don't like plastic you're leveraging already built built out cells that uh, are going to be ready to collect the nectar and honey that the bees are bringing so it's all kind of really fast you don't have to wait it's hard to get them to build any kind of drawn right especially this late in the season yeah 
Yeah. And that was kind of my thing was, I don't want to make any more work for you. I don't want to do anything right. like that. But since how you conveniently have no room, I'm going to conveniently right. give you some. And if you conveniently store honey in there, I will conveniently take it. Uh, <laughs> it's all just convenient for the beekeeper at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're going to be better. No, and they're doing great. They're doing fantastic. So that was kind of my whole like, yeah, why not? And if if they don't do anything to it at all, if they choose not to go past this queen excluder, they're happy in their two little boxes, which they normally are, um, then so be it. But it's worth a shot, right? So no harm, you, no foul. No harm, no foul. You just said that you're putting that on top of the deep and the medium that you already have, right? Yes. So your medium's already full with honey. Why do you even need the queen excluder between the two mediums? Just because Murphy's Law. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, they're not going to cross that barrier and build out, and, and especially in plastic, they're not going to go and lay uh, brood in there. One would, one would think. Never. Right, exactly. I was going to say the year that I've had would be the year that she's like, <laughs> oh, awesome. And she goes up there and I come back and it's full of brood. Because they had nowhere to do anything anywhere else. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that though the queen is most often in certain places and we have these general, <laughs> I was going to say generalities, but that's not, I don't think that's actually a word. We have these general rules about, you know, what's acceptable for her to do and where she should be and stuff. There's been plenty of times I have opened up a colony that is five boxes tall and she was on the bottom of the inner cover. And I'm right. like, what yeah. are you doing up here? <laughs> All the smoke. And she's like, I'm running up there. I'm hiding. Oh, Did God, he's back. Open it up there, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, so it's, it's really just for that purpose. It's more of just a, just in case, because if it was natural comb, I wouldn't care. You want to go, I'll just put it on there. You go do whatever you want to do, but I don't have any drawn out natural comb with right. it being permacomb. It's permanent. There is no way to clean it out. And right. so if she ever did get in there and lay, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you're okay. not, yeah, you're not going to get that back out of there. So um, that was kind of my whole, it's better just to hedge the bets. And okay. call it good. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't use that kind of stuff. So I'm not used to put it. I mean, it didn't even occur to me, but you're absolutely right. They would, if they, queen wanted to let in there they would lay put the cocoons and then you would be stuck with those yeah. uh, you know I, I saw something the other day that was uh, combs and Langstroth frames that were already all drawn out of wax yep. no I mean it's not foundation per se it's actual it's drawn wax combs but it's made out of synthetic wax right. and some other things and I was like I, I my mind blew up I was like I'm not sure I would want to use that personally, but you know. Yeah, it, it honestly depends on what it is because if it's paraffin wax, then you could run into, well, what's, what's, yeah, what's potentially in this that's going to cause some sort of unintended consequence with the colony. Um, we do have some listeners though that year before last, um, they did get some and try it and the bees took to it immediately. Like they, they immediately started using it. Um, mm -hmm. It gave them a great boost because they were able to stick it in there for packages or, you know, small nukes and, and give the queen immediate space to be able to lay without them having to use any resources. So I think it's a novel concept from the standpoint of literally just that being able to give them immediate access to something without having to use resources that they maybe don't have at that time. Mm -hmm. But I do definitely have a lot of questions about the, what is it made of and the chemical yeah. composition and yeah. So 
so very often beekeepers will will try all kinds of things and the bees are very adaptable they will just bend over backwards and twist them and contort themselves into whatever it is that the beekeeper is trying to do as much as they can make make do with what they've got it doesn't necessarily mean because it's working and and and, and they take to it uh that it's good for them in the long run right so that's, right. that's always my kind of like well okay it's great for the beekeeper how good is it for the bees kind of a thing <laughs> right so on the other topic of bees mm -hmm. i did finally get to do a thorough inspection of the leftovers from the bear attack oh and i went through the nuke they have successfully raised a queen she has successfully oh, mated no. and she is laying eggs that's so, great they made it through they made it through that <laughs> now then comes the next challenge so my original thought was if they don't they're just going to be combined mm -hmm. but if they did then i was going to go through this concept of potentially you know trying to make them a makeshift home and we had talked about doing two by lumber but yeah. in a nuke form yeah. so what we i'm going to do we call those um thick nukes now i used to call them winter nukes but the now they're just thick because they I use them in the summer as well because what matters is is the thermal mass that they provide those um, it dampens the fluctuation the sharp fluctuations in temperatures especially so it's a buffer and it can be used as for heat as well as it, it can be used for cold so I'm no longer wanting to call them winter nukes which was what I was calling them before I'm calling them thick nukes there you go yeah. so my thought process here is I have the remnants of the top bar hive itself that had the attachment on the end for the corrugated plastic right. nuke box to set up there. And I am going to retrofit that so that it has this two by nuke attached on that outer edge. And I'll probably end up moving the legs over to support that weight better on that end. Um, and then it's not going to be because of the fact of what it is today, it's not going to be completely open. Like when we cut the whole hexagonal opening into the top bar hive, I'm going to actually just make a small hole that they can use as a corridor to transfer over. So their entrance is going to be the top bar entrance. Mm -hmm. The nuke is going to be completely self-contained with no entrances to it whatsoever. And then there'll be the hole that connects it to the top bar and it's attached to the top bar. So that way, in the spring, they can come over and they can start building comb inside the top bar and they can That's start expanding right. on their own accord. <laughs> I wish I had uh, the, the Langstroth to top bar nuke conversion, the small one I take to demo, and it's exactly what it is. It's made out of, actually, that one is made out of one by, but it has um, a hole saw about this size. Uh, and, and it's about, I would say, about three inch uh, diameter. And... And at that point, it's kind of like if you had them in the soffits and there's obstacles with them. Exactly. Uh, but you have to remember, put a um, spacer right on the first uh, spot before you put your first top bar. So that the comb doesn't get over and attach to the actual right. wooden wall, yeah. Right. And then the other thing we're doing right now, we're, um, we're building them again, the, the one inch nooks. We could do it in two inch, but I am, I'm kind of keeping it simple and building it in one inch for those conversion nukes that I haven't finished transferring over. So you've got brood in both boxes for the winter and people have been asking, they're like, well, it's not really easy for them to overwinter that way. So your solution works if you've got only the five frame 
um, Langstroth uh, for the nuke box. But if you've got brood on both sides, right. you want to keep them together so that they can cluster. So on those one inch five frame uh, Langstroth nukes, we're cutting open the shape of the top bar. Right. Five cavity. Right. Yeah. Well, and once the, like, if it was fully established and they've got comb everywhere, that makes perfect sense. Um, in this instance, I can use it as my perpetual making splits and propagating kind of colony. And right. if I wind up with a nuke, it's you easy enough it. to, yeah, it's easy enough to to stick it in there. And then they're, they're corrugated off to one side and good to go. So you can, even put, those, uh, you can even put one of those disc entrance reducers. Right? I can box one of those very flat ones, the metallic ones, and so when you're not using it like this, you can just close it. Close it. Yep, that's true. Close it off entirely. Um, you can. That also has a queen excluder built in and different yeah. things along those lines. So yeah, you could very easily section off things and make that work out pretty well. Um, right. Did you see? I tried to send you the link to that video that we talked about last time. Um, where it was the little attachment thingies that were like a like an L-shaped kind of triangle. I didn't, okay. I didn't notice. Uh, was it through text or was it through email? No, it was actually through social media. So it was, uh, I think oh, I tried I on Facebook and Instagram both. So I don't look at my social media very much. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm old, man. <laughs> I'm not oh, a person. Gracious. Well, somewhere out there, you should have a message and okay. it's uh, it's from the Wicked Bee Apiary account. So you'll have a message from Wicked Bee that'll be uh, this. It's just a little demo showing how those things hook together. But I thought it was really kind of cool. Um, you know, and it, it might be something that could be worthwhile about being able to attach and disassemble something very simply with just one screw instead of four screws. So here it is. I've hey. just Instagram. Very cool. I do see it. This is actually very cool because it could indeed be used for the um, at attachments, the box conversion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you had a false wall there or something that if you wanted to take that end piece off, but you didn't want to glue it and screw it down, you right. use like even just three of these, one on the bottom and two on the sides, one on each side. Um, it's four screws all together, but then just one screw and it it completely lets go. And then you can take that whole thing off. So I thought that was really cool. That is, is it a 90 degree angle? It's, I think so. I think it's a 90 degree angle and then a 45 degree plane in the center okay. where the middle screw goes. Goes. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is very cool. It's kind of like a transformer. It's just kind of. Yeah. You got to make the sound effects if you're going to be a transformer. Right. I didn't do that grid on it, but for you know. Those, yeah. For those of you who are just listening, you have to have <laughs> sound effects. The other one's got the image. <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah, the image of coming together, but the sound effects make the whole deal. That's right. So something else that I was going to talk about that is bee related, and it kind of touches on something that we had discussed, I think, last week. Yeah. And I, I don't honestly remember. <laughs> this may have been pre-show bickery <laughs> as, oh. opposed, as opposed to actually on the show. I don't remember. But I was complaining about the the solid molded plastic nuke boxes and how it's just yes. too much ventilation and all this other stuff. Well, it's been three weeks and in three weeks, that colony has uber propolized every single slit hole opening. You name it. I was like, we're done with that. Drive. Right. 
And remember I told you the front kept falling down? Well, it can't fall down anymore because they've propolized the entire channel and then oh, they've made wow. the little half propolized opening. <laughs> so they've narrowed the opening down because what did I say? It leaves this giant opening in the front that's ridiculous right. and you can't guard it. So they fixed that. They narrowed it down Very on the back side because it's got the same on either side. The whole thing is solid propolis. It's like they're batting down the hatches. And it's so much propolis. They have forced it out the other side. It, it's it's like mounds of it coming through the holes on the other side. You know, what's really good is that shows that your colony is actually doing really good. I mean, I think that's a great sign. What I don't like about plastic, and it's the same thing about the uh, white boxes as well, corrugated plastic, is that it's hard for them to propolize to the sur flat surfaces. But they will do that in all those cracks and crevices oh, yeah. in, in and you can use it as a as a propolis trap that entrance uh, yeah door. just scrape it off there was there was a girl down there from the other colony because the back of that is not guarded at all now that it's a solid wall of propolis and she's she's out there harvesting it and she's got two little balls of propolis on her hind legs and she's like scraping it off and i'm like you know you don't live here and she's like you <laughs> very clever of her yeah yeah so she was taking it and taking it to the other colony uh, but that was that was quite entertaining i was like that's kind of funny that she's out here like stealing it they've done such great work it's oozed out through the other side and this other bee is like oh, oh hey thanks guys <laughs> Well, hopefully that will work. Are you going to leave them in there for the winter? Nope. I'm going to do the, the two inch that we were talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to move them over. I've got a little table there where they can go over a couple of feet and still not really screw up their orientation. And then I'm going to build the, the two inch nuke box enclosure directly on the top of our hive, exactly where it is sitting. Cause I don't want to move it. Right. I don't blame you. Even though it's on a hill going down a slope. I'm not going to, I'm just going to stand out there and try to be balanced and I'm going to build it right there in place. Call yes. it good. So how far is Kabul from where you are? Kabul, Missouri is I'm, probably a little far. <laughs> Uno momento while I look that up. <laughs> the map. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Georgia to the um, Dr. Leo Sharashkin um, workshop. So I was just kind of wondering. Oh, wait, you're going to go up to the long lane guy? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Leo, what is it? Kabul? Kabul, C-A-B-O-O-L. I am going because he's a, I mean, I met him in person. He seems to be really nice and he talks about treatment free. Uh, I, I still think that Tabar House are the best way to go because it's the simplest and the cheapest and the most accessible to everybody. But I'm not past, you know, kind of a, learning from other people i think that's that's not a bad thing so well okay so now now we have definitive proof because this has come up more than once where some of the listeners are like oh are you gonna go up there and work with leo and i was like no um because they don't have any idea like where specifically i'm at in the ozarks right. it's all just one thing you know like oh you're in texas you know everybody right well i mean texas is freaking huge um so the ozarks are also a very large swath it's of land that covers large. three different states yes. um Leo is uh, two hours and 40 minutes from my present location. On the way to Texas? No. On the other, uh, not that he's, way. He's, okay. he's two hours and 40 minutes past me. So oh. from Austin, that would be about 12 hours and 40 minutes. 
<laughs> okay, so I was thinking if it's on the way because I didn't look at the map, I, I'll go and give John a hug. But that's well, no, boring. you will. I mean, technically, it depends on how you would get there. So there are. It would be a little bit out of the way. Oh, you got to be kidding me! Are we talking about bees? We we're talking about bees, and I'm getting text messages from Ken Milam. Oh, he knows. His ears are ringing. Guess, just take a wild guess what his text messages are about. Uh, um, he's sending mites. me pictures. Feeding mites. Oh, well, feeding, no, never mites, unless he's blaming them, but he's never done a check. So he is okay. never that. Feeding, um, feeding is usually a question, but he's sending pictures. Oh. Uh, so there's, swarming. there you go, right there. Uh. <laughs> it's first swarm today in a picture. And in that picture, there's like 12 bees on the front of this box. Second swarm today. That one's an actual beard on a swarm trap. Um, yeah. So it is September 20th at the time of this recording. Yeah. And in central slash northwest Texas at Lake Buchanan, Ken is catching swarms. So uh, that goes back full circle to what you were saying earlier. You can never say never or always, right? So because I've read people, well, this is way too late in the season. If they have drones, that's because you have laying workers. First of all, you should always ask where, where the person is um, asking that question from. You cannot tell until you open the box in, in it. You know, if it's a large colony, there's plenty of colonies that swarm in the fall. It's not a... a an impossibility and like you said we see that a lot in texas actually yeah it's not that it's not a possibility the the challenge is what is a swarm gonna do when they've got two maybe three months before winter mm -hmm. and they only have enough resources to build out maybe three comb and then it's just pray to god that there's some sort of substantial fall nectar flow but then there's no food left over because all the nectar flow goes to drawing more comb. Right. So it's a suicide mission on the part of the mother queen, uh, but it's actually a very selfless act of um, giving to the remaining colony, the ones that's making the virgin queens, uh, first a brood break, which is going to be rejuvenating and, and, and just cleansing. And then it also gives the colony a new queen, a fresh queen, well-mated, and that's going to take them through the winter and it's going to hit the ground running in the spring. So I think that's a very selfless act of sacrificing themselves for the benefit of the, the colony, basically. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And now I'm going to switch back over to this road trip concept. So from near your location, I was pretty close. Um, if you do all interstate, which you can do almost the majority of the way. You take the interstate all the way to Springfield, Missouri, basically. Yep. Um, it would be right at 11 hours. Yes. Now, that's because you're doing the interstate. If you get off the interstate, anytime you start hitting uh, northern Arkansas, southern Missouri, Excuse you end up with these roads that are 50 mile an hour, and they just zigzag back and forth at angles that should not be possible. And it takes you an hour to drive 20 miles. So there's a big difference there. In fact, out around Branson, as you're coming into town from the north, um, entering the town from the north side of Branson, there is a, there's a, I don't remember where it's at. There's a, there's a, 
an option, right? You're on this one road and it's like Branson and it points in two different directions. One of them says five miles. One of them says like 10 miles or 15 miles. The 10 or 15 miles is on the interstate and you will get there in 15 minutes. The five to 10 mile one will take you 35 minutes to get there, even though it's half the distance because it's up and down and around and backwards and over and (laughs) through the hills. You think you're taking the short way. But (laughs) But you're not. (laughs) Yeah, because you can't even really get above like 45, 50 mile an hour. So, um, but yeah, so you would, you would go out from there. And then, so he is further uh, west. He's further in west. He's right at the edge of the Mark Twain National Forest, basically. Well, he's maybe 30, 45 minutes from there. But um, so he's west of Springfield, west of Branson. And it would be it'd be a two hour and 40 minute drive for me to get there from where I'm at. Uh-huh. Um, but in the greater scheme of things, it's really not that far. And the map. Uh, I will, I will forget. But so, you know, what you were asking me, oh, so you're going there? Well, the other aspect of things is, yeah, I mean, there's always something to be learned on several levels, by the way. But also, I think it's important for people that do natural beekeeping and that promote treatment-free natural beekeeping to band together and, and just kind of create a network and maybe work um, and, and find synergies to to kind of like leverage each other and and reach more people so that's kind of the alternative um the alternate motive motive to this as well so when is this occurring uh mid-october oh soon yes soon which reminds me i need to book my hotel because <laughs> i'm not driving for i think it's about 11 hours if not more uh and then going hitting straight you know the class and, oh and oh that doesn't sound fun. No. No. Um, Plus, it's an overnight stay too. So I still, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, no, but it's still, it's still not fun. Driving for 11 hours and then immediately doing something. That's not, that's not cool. Um, that's how I got here. And that was after being awake for 24 hours. And then I drove for 12 hours. That was not cool. I was worried about you. That was, I was you were going to do that. I was, I like, was delusional and yeah. hallucinating and... <laughs> stopping every 30 miles going come on stay awake like get out walk the dog the dog's like i'm tired of walking i don't gotta go pee i swear just (laughs) (laughs) i'm like no no come on you gotta go to the bathroom come on let's go um so no so that would be really interesting i would be interested in going just like i would be interested in going to i think uh north technically northeast arkansas is having a beekeeper convention last i heard in november I saw it like a year ago and I was like, oh, I should totally go like sneak in and check it out. Not sneak in as in like not pay, but sneak in as in like, don't tell anybody who I am. Right, right. Um, and then I completely forgot about it. And here we are almost in October and that's coming up and I hadn't even thought about it. I don't know that I have the time with all the projects going on, but the bigger problem is if I were to leave for, you know, 12 to 24 to 48 hours, um, my family would probably murder me for the simple sheer amount of chores that I do around here on a daily basis that somebody else would now be responsible for doing. In addition to theirs. In addition to theirs, right. Yeah, because mine uh, involved the saltwater aquarium, which is very particular, and mm, 28 some odd chickens uh, (laughs) that... that, well, the need to be taken care of. The bees will be all right. They'll they'll make it a couple of days. That's no problem with them. But yeah, the chickens and the 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 fish are really the the bigger challenge. 
the last time I had to leave was due to uh, death in the family. Yes. And literally like the day after I left, one of the heaters went out in the aquarium and everybody about had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, because that can be a costly. Uh, oh, yeah. Incident. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything you put in there, everything is a minimum of $100. Right. So, yeah. Did it make it through? It did. It did. It did. There was some quick thinking on their part. There was a mad rush to Walmart and right. bought it, bought heaters that are not designed for it, but they would work and hold it off. Um, and got multiples because they could only do like 20 gallons. Uh, <laughs> and so it was like four heaters in the aquarium kind of thing, you know, to make it all work and, and make it last till it got here. And then it was like, you need to hurry up and come home or all your shit's going to die. <laughs> right, right. So that's funny. That must have been a good, an interesting picture. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite entertaining, but they did good. But yeah, so it's always stressful if John leaves, John leaves the homestead and, and things go awry. <laughs> Well, at least they didn't have to deal with a bear when you were gone. That's true. Hey, so you know that one time that you finally decided it was okay to leave? Yeah, right. well, um, <laughs> Smokey and his friend came up here and uh, they kind of picked out on your beehive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the, the laws of, what did you call it earlier? Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. That's right. Hey, boo-boo. I see a picnic <laughs> basket. <laughs> So bees, let's talk about bees. We were, we were talking about bears eating bees. Right, That's bees. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I mean, have you made any more contacts in the area? Do you know? Oh, see, this is just going to turn into bee gossip now. That's all that's oh. going to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did find out that the beekeeper who was originally supposed to sell me the nukes who flaked out um is no longer the Maybe. beekeeper for one of the uh youth programs of one of the local associations of one of the local schools oh yeah <laughs> so there is an opening for a beekeeper um and i i i am seriously thinking about it but oh, really? at the same time i don't know if i want to commit myself to that because i don't know what all it involves i don't know if it's like you know, once a week or once a month or something, maybe the the class gets to come out and do something with the bees, or if it's like you need to be there multiple times a week, or like I'm not really sure what all it's gonna entail. So and you know, you're just so non-beezy anyway that I know it's just nothing else going on in life right now. Um, but you know, I mean I I did say that I would not, I promised that I would not uh join any boards and I would not uh, we'll hold any hold any positions on a board for a while while we were up here. I never necessarily said that I wouldn't do a youth program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna stay. I, I, I I'm gonna stay out of that type of uh, work in the beekeeping world. I think that I'm not cut out for it because I don't do politics. I don't do any of that stuff. So I'm just not enjoying it as much as I thought it could have been enjoyable. But you did try to warn me, warn me though. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too how it changes from the small, good-hearted, natured concept, right? So like, let, let, let's look at organizations on a very small scale. Mm -hmm. You have a local city or county club. And in and of itself, that club fosters a lot of goodwill and you have a lot of fun and you make a lot of connections and everything's great. 
you do have the challenge of finding people to help and volunteers and run things. That's a big challenge. And finding somebody who can take over in your stead, especially if the bylaws state that you can only hold your office for X amount of years. But then you move like, it seems all nice right there, but then there's all this like, even at the small level, bickering and infighting oh well this club is better than that club and this club teaches that and that club doesn't and so like it starts off there but then when you make it up to the state level it is literally almost the definition of of backwards politics and it's not necessarily for the benefit of beekeeping so much as it is for the benefit of the people in those positions and their reputations (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and yes, I cannot talk. I will I will not talk until I'm out of office. That's a good plan. I'd see exactly that that works. Um, and so yeah, there's other things that you can't talk about today too because it's just too fresh. <laughs> well, we can if you want. I mean, it, it was really more comical than it was um, uh, annoying. And and I think from that standpoint, it really hit the mark. So if, if you want to talk about it, we can. If not, we can just move on to something a little bit we less can, attention. Yeah, we could we can save it maybe um for another time. Or we could we can allude to it and tell people to go out there and check it out on the, their if own. You do that. So yeah, if you want to get your blood boiling. <laughs> or I mean, uh, to again, to my point, it didn't make my blood boil because I started reading through, we're talking about an article and, and I'm just kind of like, was immediately there were a lot of mudslinging and and just name calling and um personal you know not personal but just kind of unfunded uh attacks on an entire group of people and i thought that was uncalled for but it was not well written and it was just a collection of grievances that were more opinion than anything else so i'm just kind of like laughing at it That definitely sums it up. So if you want to see what Natalie is talking about, this was actually sent to Natalie from someone else. They brought it to her attention and then she brought it to my attention. So in the most recent edition of Bee Culture Magazine for October 2022, on the front of the magazine, it says the very first subtitle of what's going to be in it is treatment free question mark. And there is an article inside there that goes into treatment free and the title of that article is treatment free question mark treatment free is the only way to be exclamation point and then it immediately goes into a a tirade of exactly what you said grievances and kind of name calling and finger pointing um and all kinds of things yeah ignorance and proselytizers and all kinds of things it's it's a it's really mudslinging and it's very unbecoming uh, to the author, I think, uh, because it, it doesn't make him look good. It's yeah. just. And, yeah. and even if he thought that he was coming from the right place and he thinks he's trying to do a service because he feels like it does a disservice to new beekeepers, if he was trying to do a service to them, there was a lot of animosity and emotion that were wrapped up in that article. Um, that, that just read like a really poor Facebook post. Tabloid, like a tabloid, <laughs> like kind of or, a, or a tabloid. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. There it was, fingers. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was a little salacious for sure. Um, so if you would like to go check that out, there you go. It is the October edition of Bee Culture Magazine. The article is treatment free, treatment free, the only way to be. Um, you can go check that out and read it for yourself. 
and read it with several grains of salt or a whole salt shaker. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, that, that person obviously has a chip on their shoulder. Um, now I will point out though, um, or well, really, I'm going to make you point out, um, what you said to me, uh, which was your response that you gave to the individual that you originally sent it to, or that originally sent it to you. There's a really good point in there though, about, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week. Know your sources. If you're going to have a mentor, you know, know their background, know their history, know where it's coming from. Yep. And don't just take everybody's advice, even if they've only been doing it for five minutes, or maybe they are treatment free, quote unquote. But maybe that means that they're a front porch beekeeper, and they just don't do anything. Not that they just don't treat, but maybe they don't do anything. And well, that is a disservice to the bees and to the beekeeping. So where the information comes from makes a big difference. And Teaching about that stuff back then versus teaching about it now and how you teach about it and the responsibilities that go into it make a big difference. And it is very clear from his standpoint, that's not where he was coming from. <laughs> well, and, and to your point, I think there's a huge difference between doing nothing with your bees and being an actual treatment-free beekeeper. It, it actually requires a lot more work and education to realize what's going on in the beehive so that you can prevent problems from setting in, in the first place. Whereas if you just kind of leave your bees in the backyard and do nothing and, and they crash and burn, that's, a, that's not what treatment-free is. And that there's a lot of conflagration by design uh, just to kind of uh, uh, tarnish the word of treatment free. But the other thing I was going to say, and, and, and it's always follow the money, always find out what's the background of the people writing the articles in the or, or approving them and or editing them. Yeah. Them in yeah. this case, right? The editors of the magazines and all that stuff. And once you start digging, and following the money, you realize that those people work for um, treatment companies that are promoting treatments. So they're supporting treatments. And, and then, you know, some of them are commercial beekeepers that might be selling traded bees. Um, so that treatment-free um, beekeeping practices are threatening their business model. So there's a lot of things that go into play. But I think beyond that, and I was going to, I was not going to get into all this, but you know, <laughs> I brought it up. Uh, beyond that, if you read the article, um, you find first a lot of intolerance. We're always talking about, so he's like, it, it's the only way to be treatment-free, but the article is laced with intolerance for another type of beekeeping. If he wants to treat his bees, be my guest, right? But why is he so acrimonious about people that don't want to put pesticides and insecticides in their bees? I mean, where does, where's the tolerance? I just think that um, it's, and, and then you read the article, I read it a couple of times because, First time, I, I was not even upset. I was kind of like, oh, look at all those cliches. I've read them on all those boards. This, he's just listing, you know, and if you treat your dog, you, you would you put pesticides? I mean, would you not uh, put uh, fleet medication on Flea your dog? Flea and tick and dewormer and, and yeah. uh, heartworm and like, prevention. Oh and All those cliches that come through. But then I was like, okay, on the third third time, I read it from the perspective of, let's flip the narrative and look at it if it was talking about people that treat and it is just kind of it applies to both sides so what happened here is that is a very extremist article that was written by a very intolerant person that obviously had a chip on his shoulder about something and my suspicion 
is that he read the series of five articles that was in the American Bee Journal recently by Stephanie Bruno, who interviewed five um, uh, treatment-free beekeepers. She did uh, Les Crowder, she did Corey Stevens, she did uh, the guy from Spike, Spike Yards Apiaries, I think. Um, and and I, I, I wrote something for her because she contacted me. So, But I think that it was kind of like a backlash to all that uh, natural beekeeping promotion. Even Kim Flodham wrote a book about um, common sense natural beekeeping. So the tides are turning. And, and so there's backlash. And it kind of reflects a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Because <laughs> politics. <laughs> well, it does. It does. And it, and it was also written from, there was a few things in there that I read between the lines that I thought were really interesting. He made an, uh, an analogy about taking bees to the almonds, which yeah. right there means he's a commercial beekeeper, mm -hmm. and taking his bees to the almonds, and he hates and despises those other beekeepers and those other farms that he knows yeah. are on either side of him who are not doing anything to their bees, and he did treat his bees, so he knows his bees went into the almonds with zero mites, and yet they come out with 17 mites you know, per 100 um, after they've been out there, because as soon as they're done with the almonds, they immediately start robbing each other and like all this other stuff. And I was like, well, he also makes a comment in there about how, you know, well, the, the new beekeeper is slaving away over making sure that their sugar, sugar syrup is just exactly correct because they would never do high fructose corn syrup, which was a tongue in cheek about you're a commercial beekeeper and you're taking them out to almonds. So what are you probably feeding your bees, but high fructose corn syrup? And you're making that as a jab because, well, it's good enough for my bees, but you're too good for that. You got to do this other thing over right. here. So there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of undertone. Very acrimonious. And it was basically calling people ignorant uh, um, and, and um, intolerant, he was calling them as well, but um, basically stupid. And he was, the proselytization of the new beekeepers is basically was saying, there's an indoctrination of new beekeepers by people that are ignorant and they're ignorant because they do treatment free. And it's just kind of like, it's, it's an appalling article but it's kind of comical if you take a step back and read through the lines and the undertones and, and you can see the anger and the emotions, like you said, in there. And I think it doesn't make him look good, but you know, <laughs> no, it, it didn't, it didn't really, it did not <laughs> it him look ridiculous, but that's okay. Yeah. These things happen. <laughs> I was just kind of like, initially I was like, it's too fresh. I don't want to talk about it because then I'm going to say things like he sounded ridiculous. I mean, he, he, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if you go on a tirade, you might look back on it in a year or two and be like, wow. I looked really dumb then. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but anyway, I think he's also in that um, uh, documentary called More Than Honey. So if you're interested, I started watching it. I didn't have the time to finish it, but it's a lot of stuff that's, if anything, for the beautiful movies of bees and queens emerging. And, and there's a lot of really cool stuff as well. I I've think I've seen that. I think, I think I've seen it scenes uh, that I haven't seen yet of how bees are treated because Les told me about it. It's like, you want to see how horrible bees are treated by some people. You can just take a look at that documentary. So yeah, I think I've seen it actually. Um, yeah. So there you go, everybody. There's your bee talk for the day. What was the subject today? Bees and everything in between. Cause you know, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on today. So. There was a lot, there was a lot, there was no specific actual topic in mind. Uh, just some updates and recap, uh, yeah, recaps on 
how the hives are doing and some little observations and annoyances. And then obviously the article <laughs> itself, <Right. Yeah. laughs> some, know, some little fun thing for you to read in your leisure time. I think it's fun. If you look at it with a second degree, it's kind of funny and, and it's quite entertaining from that standpoint. Yeah. So there you go. Feel free to go take a look for it if you would like. And if not, you're not missing anything. It is totally fine. So yep. uh, we appreciate you all tuning in with us here today. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. But as always, be good. And don't forget to be mindful. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, guys. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>